You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's going on, everybody? It's that time again. It's the Sooners Illustrated Podcast, episode 44 on this Monday, December 18th, 2023. Josh Calloway, Tom Green with you on a Monday one week till Christmas. Lots of stuff going on uh, on the team side of things. Again, Oklahoma active in the transfer portal. Key players are coming back next season. A key commit was picked up. The basketball team keeps winning. They're inside the top 10 in the AP poll. Lots to talk about, lots to get into, Tom, on a Monday. But let's start, as we have a lot on these uh, shows as of late, with the transfer portal. Kind of thought that maybe we wouldn't have much to get into uh, on this episode, finally, maybe in the, in the portal world of things. Never mind. Bauer Sharp had other ideas just about an hour and a half or, or so ago before we started recording. Bauer Sharp came aboard Oklahoma back into the portal with their fifth commitment, tight end from southeastern Louisiana, if you're unfamiliar. Um, really highly thought of at the FCS level, level. I know a lot of fans will probably think like southeastern Louisiana, but this guy – Productive down there, the number three pro football focus graded tight end at the FCS level. Tom, obviously they needed a tight end. Uh, that goes without saying the position was a disappointment this year. Austin Stogner didn't have the season that they were hoping for. They just didn't have much production at all, quite frankly, from that group. You needed to get a guy. You got a guy with Bauer Sharp. We'll see what he can actually provide when he gets here. But at the very least, you've added somebody who's played college football, who's been productive and can be an option for you whenever, you know, next season rolls around. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it at no no end this season. Just the, yeah. the tight end group was the weak link of this, not just the offense, but this football team, it felt like. Um, they just weren't getting the production that they thought they were going to get out of Austin Stogner, bringing him back. Um, injuries at other spots in the room. So, you know, they needed to address this position this offseason. And obviously they have, you know, Devon Mitchell coming in with a 2024 class. He's, you know, really thought of, you know, really highly thought of, you know, NFL type guy potential. But they needed another body in there. They needed someone who has some experience. And look, Bauer Sharp, like you said, some fans are probably going to roll their eyes or scoff at this because he's making the move from the FCS to an SEC program. But the guys who, you know, evaluate these type of players, they think really highly of him. Um, you know, he had 29 receptions, 280 yards, three touchdowns at Southeastern Louisiana this season in an offense that is very run centric. So, you, 
you know, you, you, you kind of put those numbers into context. Mm-hmm. And he's a guy who he started his career as a quarterback before converting to tight end. So he's got that kind of high football IQ and kind of understanding of how other positions around him work. So he's been making that transition and, you know, people feel like he has a really high ceiling. Um, I think, you know, looking at him, you know, watching some of his highlights and just, you know, his build and obviously the fact that he used to be a quarterback and is now a tight end, Oklahoma fans are probably going right. to, you know, get some flashes of Blake Bell in there. Um, yeah. You know, I wouldn't be, you know, it's way early. We, we don't know what what all the tweaks that Seth Luttrell is going to make to this offense are. But, mm-hmm. you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him, you know, kind of take over that, you know, Jackson Arnold short yardage uh, wildcat type situation near the goal line as a possibility because it's something that he did at right. Southeastern Louisiana. Um, but I like this pickup for Oklahoma. Again, it's not one that's going to jump off the page, but they needed – some experience at tight end and to bring in a guy who's got multiple years of eligibility left, who is, you know, got a pretty high ceiling and to can come in and learn under, you know, Joe John Finley kind of help lead that room as, as they kind of make the transition. And I, I think this, you know, the tight, the tight end position, in my opinion, I think is going to be used, utilized a little bit differently moving forward just mm-hmm. because of, you know, um, Seth Luttrell's background as an H-back, Joe John Finley being co-offense coordinator, I think there's going to be a little bit more emphasis on how they use those tight ends, probably see some more two two tight end sets. Um, So it's definitely a position that they needed to address, and um, it it just kind of goes in line with what, you know, what their approach has been in the portal in getting, you know, addressing positions of need. Yeah, they needed a tight end, like I kind of said off the top. And, And, you know, I was as critical of the tight end group probably as anyone, you know, last season. I, I really thought coming in, hand up, that our starter was going to be good um, and that that, that wasn't going to be that much of a drop-off from what we saw Braden Willis do the year before. It, it didn't work out that way. You know, we talked about it all season long. It just was never really an option. We almost kind of stopped talking about it, frankly, in the last part of the year because it was just, okay, that's just what the tight end group is, is going to be. It's just a position that simply wasn't going to be that much of a strength for Oklahoma when it usually is. I think it's in a lot better place now. I mean, you talk about bringing Bauer Sharp in. Obviously, Devon Mitchell comes aboard, who I think the world of. I mean, going to be future NFL player uh, by my estimation. That guy's a freak of nature. If you've ever seen him, just you don't need to see him play. Just watch him walk around. You know, when he's visiting at games, he's just does not look like a high school kid. Um, he's re- reclassifying a year early. He's going to be technically a high school senior in terms of age next year. So you probably don't want to lean on him too much. But if anybody can handle it, it would be him. You got Sharp, you got Mitchell, you get Caden Helms healthy. He missed this whole year. He probably would have factored in this year if he had been able to be on the field. He just never was able to. Uh, health kind of betrayed him there. Cade McIntyre, second year for him. So I think there's reasons to be optimistic uh, about Blake this. Smith back. What's that? Blake Smith back too. Uh, Blake Smith back. That's definitely a guy who you're kind of forgetting about. You kind of thought maybe he could be a portal candidate, but – Obviously, as of December 18th, you know, haven't heard anything from him. Got to assume he's he's back. So, yeah, there's there's reasons to be, I think, a little more uh, feeling good about things in that group. And like you said, Joe John Finley elevated up to co-OC. So probably you'd imagine a, a, a key role is going to be carved out for that tight end room if he has any say in the matter. So reasons to be optimistic. I think Bauer Sharp's going to be a nice ad here. I'm curious who actually ends up being tight end one when it's all said and done. That's going to be a very interesting battle because you know Devon Mitchell is this guy who we all think the world of but he is a kid obviously going to be literally a high school senior in terms of age 
You brought in Bauer Sharp. Is it Caden Helms? I mean, th- it's going to be an interesting battle whenever we get there. So I'm excited to see how that shakes out. But a lot, lot better looking group than uh, and a lot better feel on it right now than maybe you had, you know, just a few weeks ago when the season ended. So we'll see how it shakes out. But reason to be optimistic, I think, right now. Speaking of reason to be optimistic, more good news for Oklahoma. We talked about last week. Obviously, Danny Sutzman comes back. Billy Bowman comes back. More good news for Oklahoma on that front. Uh, DeJon Terry, Jacob Lacey, pair of defensive tackles, both announced they would be returning to Oklahoma next season. Obviously, both these guys transferred in. Terry from Tennessee, Lacey from Notre Dame. Both guys had um, truncated summers, if you want to call it that. Terry came in in the summer. He was a late transfer after spring was already over. Jacob Lacey, obviously, you didn't think he was maybe going to be available this season, dealt with the blood clotting issue, things like that. He ended up being able to go, was a key element on that defensive line. Same for DeJon Terry, key element on that defensive line. And now they're both back. And to have these veteran guys, Tom, going into the SEC, it's huge. It's huge here, right? I mean, you need bulk, veterans, all of that. This is a big win for Oklahoma to get both these guys. Yeah, um, it, it, it's literally massive. Um you know, Jacob Lacey played the most snaps among all defensive interior linemen for Oklahoma this season. Dejon Terry was third in snaps. Um, you know, their their tackle numbers won't necessarily jump off the page, um, but you know, Dejon Terry was very effective against the run. Jacob Lacey made some key plays. You know, he had that fourth quarter sack, I believe, against Texas. Um, he had a big role in that goal line stand in that game too. Um, and just, just guys that look, they're coming back for their sixth season. They're taking advantage of that extra year of eligibility. And look, Jacob Lacey started 11 games this season. Dejon Terry started four. They were obviously key parts of that rotation up front. And that's with, like you said, the truncated off seasons for them. You know, these are guys that look, they could have gone and tried to test the NFL waters after their fifth year. You know, both of them, I believe, went through senior day festivities uh, before mm-hmm. that TCU game. But both opted to come back because I think they understand that not only does Oklahoma need some, you know, veterans and some, you know, just effective big bodies on that defensive line as it moves to the SEC, but yeah. these are guys that could benefit from a full offseason working with Jerry Schmidt and that strength and conditioning program. Like you said, Dejon Terry got here in May, so he was only around for a few months before the season began. Jacob Lacey <clears throat> was out of commission for a while because of those blood clots in his lungs, and you know we weren't even sure he'd play again. Um, so for them to have the kind of impact that they did, despite mm-hmm. the unusual off seasons they did, I think says a lot about what their potential could be moving forward next year. Um, so for Oklahoma to bring back those two guys, and obviously Ethan Downs at defensive end said he's coming back for his senior season too. So that, that's just a good veteran core up front to kind of not just, you know, help this defense keep carrying the torch, you know, in year three under Brent Venables as they continue to try to improve, but also help kind of be mentors and, you know, be a bridge for some of these younger guys that are coming in. Because that 2024 class looks really good up on the defensive line with, you know, guys like David Stode and Jaden Jackson. So I, th- I think this is huge yeah. for Oklahoma. Obviously, you know, not kind of the level of players of Danny Stutzman and Billy Bowman coming back, but to be able to bring back these veterans who have played a lot of snaps and a lot of snaps at the Power 5 level. Because like you said, Dejon Terry came in from Tennessee. Before that, he was at Kansas. 
Jacob Lacey played at Notre Dame, which is an independent school, but they always play a power five schedule. So they have a lot of experience going against power five offensive lines. And that's what Oklahoma needs because that schedule next year is unforgiving. Yeah. And, you know, and it speaks to the faith that these guys have in Brent Venables and the culture that he has built here. Cause that was the book on Venables and Dabo Sweeney at Clemson, that they constantly seem to get guys to come back for that senior season, for that extra year. Guys who could go to the NFL, they think about it, and they say, no, I'm better off playing another year at Clemson. Oklahoma never seemed to have that. I'm sure most of you fans would agree. Guys on the fence seemed like they always just went, and it was hard to have any stability. Or It's like, man, if we could have just had this guy back. Or guys go early, you think of uh, Ronnie Perkins. Guys like that who probably could have stayed another year. They decided to go ahead and go for it. And maybe who knows what their crew would have been like if they had waited. Who knows what your defense could have been if they had come back. Now you're getting that with Stutzman, Bowman, like you said, Ethan Downs. These two guys, we're still waiting on Woody Washington. But if you could find a way to get him in the mix as well. I mean, that's veteran NFL caliber players at every position of your defense. That That's big time. And that, that's how you win and sustain is, you know, building, having that camaraderie, that stability, that consistency that Oklahoma hasn't had for a, a long time, especially on defense. So to have this many pieces back on a defense that was solid, obviously, and much improved from the previous year, uh, I mean, the reasons to be optimistic are pretty obvious. So a lot to like uh, right now. Oklahoma, a lot to feel good about. Yeah, but, I mean, when we when we spoke to Brent Venables after practice the other day, I mean, he he said, look, these all, all five of these guys that are coming back, they're coming back because they feel like they, they're on a mission. You know, they mm-hmm. – have a goal in mind and you know they probably felt like they missed some opportunities this season and now the chance to kind of make a statement in the program's first year in the sec they want to be a part of that they want to be a part of what brent venables has been building and is continuing to build at oklahoma and you know they feel like that can be their legacy here um right like you said getting all five of those guys back is huge especially um you know two guys at the defensive tackle spot where you know Again, the SEC is a line of scrimmage league. You need to be able to control that point of attack and to bring back two massive defensive interior linemen like that is is great for this defense. Absolutely is. So from guys who are coming back to one that we're still trying to figure out in, in Tawi Walker. So we talked about Tawi last week a little bit. Um, we got the open practice. It caught our eye right away. Ty Walker's over there with the running backs. What gives? That, that's interesting. He tweeted the bowling emoji. We talked about this on the show last week. Brent Venables was asked about it on Friday, as you'd expect. The exact quote from Brent Venables that he's going to look in the portal and then, quote, he's more than welcome to come back, end quote. So the door is open, it, it would seem, for Todd Wee to return. It's still not really clear on is Oklahoma going to offer him a scholarship to come back? It, it, what exactly <laughs> Because if they're not, he's not coming back because he's going to get one somewhere else. What do you just make of the situation? Because I think a lot of fans are confused about it as well. And I am, uh, frankly, a little bit too. So I don't blame anybody. Tawi's still on this team for now. He's going to play in the Alamo Bowl against Arizona. He was productive this year. The fans really liked him. Oklahoma just went and got a running back in the portal. So... You know, I, I don't blame anybody for kind of being a little confused as why not just give this guy a scholarship and keep him around? What do you kind of make of the situation right now with Tawi? Because it is it is strange. It is a little unusual. Yeah, it, it's a little funky. Um, I, I think, look, 
I don't think Tawi is technically in the portal yet. He announced his plans to, but I don't think he's actually right. appeared right. in there yet. But um, so it's not it's not unusual that he's still with the team right now because, like we mentioned on the last show, you know Josh Ellison did this mm-hmm. last season. He announced his plans to transfer back in December, stuck with the team through the bowl game, and then hit the portal in January before going to Memphis. So that that part of it's not too unusual. It's just look, I I don't know if Oklahoma I don't know if Oklahoma knows if it has a scholarship available for Tommy Walker just because of the needs that it has at other spots like. These coaches all have a they they ha, they have a map, so to speak. Like they have a certain number of scholarships that they can allocate to each position, and they have some needs to address. So they're still trying to sort that through. Like Brent Venable said um, when we spoke to him, I guess the week before last, you know, they want to add probably ten guys from the transfer portal. They want to bring in you know twenty seven. Uh, 28 high school signees this week. Um, so I, th- I think they're still trying to figure out all the math and they don't know if they can offer Tawi Walker a scholarship right now. I don't know if that's going to be in the cards at all for him, but it makes sense for him, given what he showed on the field this week, to bet on himself. And it's something that he did coming out of high school, going to the JUCO yeah. route, um, even after being away from football for a little bit, he bet on himself and it paid off in his opportunity to come to Oklahoma, and he made the most of it. I mean, there were parts of this season where he was their most reliable running back. Um, he finished the year as their second-leading rusher. Um, you know, obviously, Gavin Sacha kind of took the baton and ran with it the second half of the season. But, you know, Tawi Walker has shown himself very capable of being not just an FBS-caliber running back, but a Power 5 quality back. Yeah. I don't know if he'd be a, necessarily be a starter at, you know, a power five school moving forward but he i think he certainly earned himself an opportunity to earn a scholarship from some quality program so we'll see what happens with him um i don't think we're gonna get any clarity until you know after the bowl game obviously in you know early january maybe Uh uh, transfer window closes but it it it, it's definitely kind of just a weird situation um especially because you know when brent venables came over for his, you know, post-practice scrum, he's like, "I'm going to save everybody some time. I'm not going to talk about anybody that's not here." Yeah. Well, Tawi's still here, even though he said he's going to transfer. So let, let, let's talk about him. Um, but yeah, yeah it, it's definitely something to monitor because, like you said, they brought in a running back. They're bringing back guys like Gavin Sacha, Javante Barnes, Caleb Hicks. They got good running backs coming in with this 2024 class, and Taylor Tatum and Xavier Robinson too. It's a log jam in that room. And obviously, Tawi Walker is a guy who has experience and has shown that he can mm-hmm. do it. But it's just a matter of making all the pieces of the puzzle fit. Yeah, I'm kind of just in the uh, Lloyd from from Dumb and Dumber, so you're telling me there's a chance, um, basically, with, with Tawi right now. I, I don't expect him to be back, um, but the door's open, clearly, and he's still around, and who knows? I mean, in the next couple of weeks of practice, maybe at San Antonio, he plays well in the Alamo Bowl, and... You know, even if it's not a scholarship, maybe they could set him up on the NIL side of things that it's still worth it for him to stick around. I, I don't know. Like you said, they're not hurting for running backs by any means. If you get Barnes healthy with what Gavin Slawchuk did and, and Tatum coming in, Robinson coming in, you already added UT Martin, Sam Franklin, who we've talked about on the show. Um, you have lots of bodies and options, whether Tawi's back or not. But the reality is, and, and it's what most fans are saying, and they're right, is that Tawi played this year and played well for a long stretch and for a long while was their most reliable guy. 
He was running back one for like a stretch there in the middle of the season. So we'll see uh, if he ends up sticking around. I would lean he probably doesn't, obviously, but never know. You never know. We get to see him play one more time, which is nice uh, here coming up in a couple weeks in San Antonio. Looking forward to that uh, here before too long. The Sooners Illustrated Podcast will be back after this short break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the show? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. On the recruiting side of things, more ads, more good news for Oklahoma. It's a very positive show uh, today. Eddie Pierre-Louis, welcome aboard. This is a guy that Colin and I have talked about a lot um, over the last several weeks. This guy Oklahoma's been targeting uh, from Tampa Catholic in Tampa, Florida. Sam High School that Lewis Carter went to. The uh, linebacker's a freshman right now, who I'm a big fan of. Lewis Carter's a freak of nature. This guy's a freak of nature, too. So whatever they're doing at Tampa Catholic, Keep going out there and finding these guys because this guy is not normal. Tom's going to get into some of the specifics with his uh, other exploits in other sports in just a second. But real quick, if you're unfamiliar with him, 6'3", 335 is what we have Matt. He's an interior offensive lineman, so he's going to probably play guard in Oklahoma unless they want to move him around. Um, number 12 interior offensive lineman in the 24-7 sports composite. He's a four-star. He's a top 50 player in Florida. He's a top 250 player or so, give or take, uh, in the entire class. Obviously, you're coming off Caden Green, leaving. Um, you add one guy through the portal, Spencer Brown from Michigan State. They're going to add more, more than likely, on the offensive line through the portal. But you bring a guy in, Tom, who, again, is another option for you. There's lots of guys offensive line room, and this kid is 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 a freak in a lot of ways. And it feels like there's a chance he could factor in maybe sooner rather than later. Another nice kid here on the recruiting side of things for Bill Beatonbow in Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see like how the how the personnel shakes out by mm. you know the spring or the summer. Um, yeah. But but just looking at him and you know, like you said, six three, three thirty, massive guy, just an athletic freak. Ran a twelve point nine seven in the hundred meter. That's absurd. That's it's just yeah, absurd. Like if you've seen the video, it's just just doesn't seem real. Um, but ju- just another guy who has a high ceiling and just like a, a great frame and you know not saying he's going to come in and start right away at left guard or right guard or wherever but you know he's a guy that you could see him being one of those impact freshmen that kind of works his way into the rotation and maybe works his way into the starting lineup eventually we'll see how his development goes once he gets on campus but he has that kind of ceiling it feels like yeah, and you saw, obviously, like I said, he went to the same high school that Lewis Carter went to. These guys were teammates not that long ago. And then you saw David Stone, who obviously is down there in Florida, tweeting at him. He was in the car with him, <clears throat> posted a photo saying, we got to get this guy. So you kind of 
other guys who are dudes kind of know guys who are dudes. And David Stone, you know, who obviously is the the ringleader of this class. Basically, he's the golden goose here. Um, the fact that he was putting such a full court press on social media that we need this guy, I think it says a lot about him. So I'm excited to see where he fits in down the road. I've seen a lot of people, of course, on our message boards kind of speculating, like, this guy's such an athlete. Could he move around? Probably could. Probably could. And you need guards. We talked about that before we started recording. We, you need guards, so you probably don't need to or really want to right now, but you certainly could. If uh, down the road you wanted to move him on defense or something, he probably could handle it because the guy is uh, – you know, not your typical O lineman in terms of yeah the speed and the ability to move around. He, he's he's something, and I'm excited to see what he looks like uh, whenever he gets here in due time. So to wrap up, Tom, a little bit of hoops on the way out. Uh, this team's really good. Um, obviously, we knew that going in. They crushed Green Bay um, despite a lethargic start. I mean, they were. It was a weird game because we were both there on Saturday night. It was 21-20 with like five minutes to play until halftime. And then they just, they called timeout. Porter chewed him out a little bit, but he said credit to them. They responded to it. They didn't pout. They just got back out there and fixed what I was yelling at them about. And uh, they absolutely rolled after that, ended up winning by, you know, 33 points it was, 34 points it was. They're 10-0. There's only four undefeated teams left. They're one of them. Is it fair to get excited? Tom, in your, in your estimation, is it fair to get excited? Because this team is playing really, really well. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's definitely fair to get excited. I mean, they just moved in the top ten in the AP poll that came out today. Mm-hmm. Checked in at number seven. Um, you know, first time that they've been ranked in the top ten under Porter Moser. First time since I believe February twenty second, twenty twenty one, that they've been ranked this high. Um, yeah, pl- plenty of reason to get excited. Um, that that game against Green Bay the other night was. A little uncharacteristic for them out the gate. Um, it was a late yeah. start. It was graduation weekend, and it just seems like it, it took them a while to adjust to what Green Bay does defensively, which is kind of pack the paint, and that takes away from this team's strength because this is a drive and dish type of team. You know, Jamie and McCollum and uh, Milo Suzan love to get into the paint and, and kick it out or, you know, get a little floater or attack the basket. And you just can't right. do that against the kind of defense that Green Bay was playing. So you saw a lot of, like, uncharacteristically stagnant offensive possessions for stretches there in that first, like, 14 minutes. And then Green Bay gets within one. Porter Moser quickly calls a timeout. And then... Like you said, man, they, they just kind of flipped a switch. They went on a 15-0 run to close the half, forced seven turnovers, had a block shot, and held Green Bay to 0 of 3 shooting over the final six minutes of that half. Took a 16-point lead in the break. And then they followed that up with a 22 to nothing run over a seven-minute stretch in the second half, mm-hmm. led by as many as 40 at one point, and just absolutely throttled Green Bay. Did what they were supposed to do against an overmatched opponent. Um, this team plays good defense, man. Offense, like I, I think there's still some concerns about the offense. It's not a bad offense by any means, but I think there's some concerns about you know their outside shooting if they can't you know get good ball movement. Um, but they're playing really good, and they're about to have their biggest test of the season. They're going to go to Charlotte. They're going to play yeah. number eleven North Carolina in a quote unquote neutral game. That is, you know, just a, <laughs> not, not exactly. a couple hours from uh, UNC's campus in yeah. the Jump Moon Invitational. But, man, that, that's going to be a fun game to watch Wednesday night, 8 o'clock Central Time on ESPN. Look, they, they've got three three or four quality wins. That USC win looks less impressive mm-hmm. as the days go by just because USC's kind of struggled even though they got yeah, a lot of talent. Good. 
But man, they've got three quad two wins on the record right now, three and on those games. This is going to be a quad one opportunity and really, you know, an opportunity for this team to make a statement. They've been one of the biggest surprises in college basketball this season, but if they can go to Charlotte and beat UNC, even though, you know, they're ranked ahead of UNC right now, I, I would find it hard to see them as favorites going into this game. I don't know if the line's been set yet, but if they can go and beat UNC in Charlotte, man, <clears throat> this team could make some noise in the Big 12, it feels like. Yeah, you know, it, not that Green Bay is any good because they're not. Um, you know, I have State beat Green Bay by 40 or whatever it was as well. But the fact that they come out and be so flat and play their C game, D game maybe even, for that long and still just turn it on and blow them out of the water, it, it says a lot about this team because, you know, the last couple of years under Porter, they just weren't able to just crush teams like they are this year. And it says a lot about just – how much of a different place this roster's in. And we've talked about it several times, but it, it really is amazing how quickly they've, they've turned it around from last year. It's it's unrecognizable. The, the brand of basketball, the level of talent and athletes on the court, it's a different – it's like they're playing a different sport than they were last year. And like you said, North Carolina up next. Obviously, UNC is UNC. They're a little bit scrambling. They got a little bit uh, – you know, back into a corner right now. Um, they've lost two in a row. They lost to UConn and Kentucky. Not exactly a couple of losses that you're just going to be beating yourself up over. But the North Carolina, they expect to win those games. They've slipped down to number 11 in the AP poll. So Oklahoma is the higher-ranked team. I don't know anybody who would have guessed that, you know, a couple months ago. But it's 7 versus 11. Like you said, it's in Charlotte. So not a, not a road game, but it is a road game. It'll be all North Carolina fans in there. Um, they to be packing in the house that Michael Jordan kind of built there with uh, Charlotte, obviously, when he's the, the owner. Um, it's going to be a fun game. And if Oklahoma wins that, I mean, you know, you, you should win your last two, certainly. And you should be 13-0 going into Big 12 play pretty comfortably if you can find a way to win that game on Wednesday. So I think uh, a lot of OU fans, obviously, OU's a football school. That's where all the attention is. I think a lot of OU fans are starting to realize how good the basketball team is. And I think Wednesday night, for a lot of people in Oklahoma, it's going to be their introduction. So you one way or another, because I think everybody, whether you're a little fan or a big fan of OU basketball, you're going to be tuned in on Wednesday because they're playing North Carolina. They're in the top 10. They're undefeated. Let's see how good they are. And if they go beat North Carolina, I mean, it's really you can start to really get big eyes about what the team could do. It's going to be fun. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to Wednesday. Biggest test so far, by, by far. So I'm excited. Oh, yeah. yeah, easily. I mean, North Carolina, I think they're – you know, they're just behind Oklahoma and Ken Palm. I think they're at 20th. Oklahoma, I think, is at 19th as of this morning. Um, Oklahoma's top 10 in net rankings. Um, North Carolina, I believe, is 37. So it's comfortably a quad one game. Um, <clears throat> look, Oklahoma's going to have its hands full in this game. Like you said, even though North Carolina's had a couple losses back-to-back -back now, they're a very good team. They're going to have their hands full. Um We'll see how Oklahoma responds and what will be a hostile environment against a really good team. But look, even if Oklahoma loses this game, like I don't think there's any reason for fans to like that are like just starting to pay attention to jump off the bandwagon by any means because this is going this is an NCAA tournament caliber game, um, and it's probably going to feel like that. Like as if second you know, weekend probably caliber, maybe even yeah, yeah. But, but it's like one of those games where, like, the higher seed is closer to home, so they're going to have a lot better crowd. Yeah, sure. So I, I, that, that's what I anticipate is going to feel like Wednesday night. So I don't think fans should get discouraged if Oklahoma does not beat North Carolina. 
the fact that they'd be 10 and one and really opportunity to go 12 and one easily heading into big 12 play. I mean, you're only a few wins off of what you did all of last season. Like yeah. this, this team is so much better than it was last year. Um, and I think more fans are starting to realize that. And, you know, I'm excited to see kind of what, what the crowd is going to start looking like at Lloyd Noble as, you know, we mm-hmm. get into big 12 play and, uh, the opponents are a little bit more enticing and worth coming to see this Oklahoma play again, this Oklahoma team play against. Yeah, even if they don't win on Wednesday, um, but obviously, especially obviously, if they do, um, that Iowa State game, January sixth, football's over. It's a Saturday, Big Twelve opener. I think it'll probably be a pretty, pretty good crowd in there at the LNC. I think fans are starting to appreciate what Porter's done this turnaround. Um, it's fun times right now for OU basketball. Fun times. All right, I think that's it. Of course, we're not going to be in Charlotte on Wednesday um, with uh, signing day. We'll hang back here in Norman. Brent Venable's press conference Wednesday morning at 10.30. Keep an eye out for that. Obviously, coverage on the site from Tom and uh, James Jackson as well. Of course, I'll have the video, the full press conference up on YouTube shortly after it finishes. Keep an eye out for that and uh, hear what Brent Venables has to say about all these guys uh, that finally signed. You can finally hear him talk about David Stone and Taylor Tatum and uh, Zion Kearney and all these guys in the class, Danny Okoye, um, on Wednesday. So keep an eye out for that. And then we'll be back on Thursday to recap all the latest from signing day, what Hoops did against North Carolina on Wednesday night, and whatever else happens in the transfer portal and uh, on the crew trail and whatever else between now and uh, then. Hand up. We had a little bit of mishap at the beginning of this show. Got about 10 minutes in. Um, before we realized we weren't recording. Thankfully, Tom noticed. So if the beginning of the show felt weird because we were doing everything a second time. Felt like deja vu. <laughs> a little embarrassed by that. That's uh, that's completely on me. Um, but I think we did okay. I think we persevered. I think if you didn't know, you would have never you would have never known. It would have been, I hope, I hope. Unless we get some comments that are saying like, what, why does this feel weird? Why does this feel, feel strange? Why, why is Tom laughing during the intro? <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, first time we've ever done that, hopefully the last time. That was that was bad. So that's it for now. And uh, I'll uh, work on things, and I'll hit the gym. I'll get Schmitty built, and I'll be back on Thursday ready to uh, be better, do better. That's it. We'll be back Thursday. See you guys then. For Tom Green, I'm Josh Calloway. See you guys Thursday for the next edition of the Sooners Illustrated Podcast.